Hey there, and welcome to Lively Conversations, brought to you by Table 112. Whether you're at the table, in the car, or wherever you are, we hope to inspire meaningful talks about life between parents and teens. I am your host, Dana Williams, and I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Today, my guests are Jess and Mabel Ronnie. Jess is an author who wrote a book called Sunlight Burning at Midnight. She's a teacher, a wife, a nonprofit CEO, a caregiver advocate, and a mom to eight They moved from Michigan snow and traded in those snow shovels for the humidity and sweet tea in the South, and they haven't looked back. You're going to find her online talking about faith, grief, food, simplicity, blended families, gardening, special needs, and everything else. Her daughter, Mabel, who joins her today, is 13, and she is, like I said, one of eight siblings. She lost her biological dad to brain cancer in 2010 when she was three, and she was adopted by her new dad in 2013. She has a 15-year-old brother with profound special needs. Mabel loves to dance, do gymnastics, and shop. These two have quite a story, and it gets a little bit heavy, so if you have younger kids in the room, you might want to excuse them, but they're going to share with you what keeps them grounded in difficult times. So let's jump into my lively conversation with Jess and Mabel. Jess and Mabel, welcome to Lively Conversations. I am so delighted to have you with me today. I always love to have us. Oh, absolutely. I always love to throw a fun icebreaker question just to kind of get to know you a little bit. And so today, my question for you is this if money, time, and stay in place mandates were no object, (laughs) what would you be doing right now if you could do anything? I would be renovating a villa in Tuscany. Ooh, beautiful. That's the last thing on my bucket list. That's a great dream. I would go to Paris then. Ooh, I like that answer. Yeah, because if it doesn't cost anything. You might as well. Right, exactly. Mabel, what do you want to see in Paris? I want to visit and see the Eiffel Tower. So cool. Try the food there and stuff. I think that's you a probably good hate the food. No, a bunch of moldy cheese. You probably wouldn't eat any of it. <laughs> I actually got to go to Paris with my mom a few years back, and it was really lovely. So I love that dream. That's a good one. Yeah, we did go to the Eiffel Tower, and we did eat incredible food. So I think you're right on track. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So every family has a unique story. And Jess, you guys have a very unique story. Can you give us a brief glimpse of the story of the (laughs) Ronnie family? I will sure try. Um, It's kind of a long story. So um, it starts in 2004 when I was pregnant with our second child. And I went to what I thought was a routine ultrasound appointment. And um, come to find out he had suffered a stroke in utero. And I was advised to terminate. Uh, My husband, Jason, and I decided to put the baby in God's hands, and we continued with the pregnancy. And Lucas was born in August, um, and he came out crying with life, and that began our journey as a family with special needs parenting. Um, In the next uh, couple of years, we also had Mabel, who is sitting here with me today, And about six months after Mabel's birth, Jason started having a bunch of unexpected and undiagnosed health problems. He had vision loss and weight loss and was really disoriented. And he was a personal trainer, tennis professional, and a gym owner. And he just kept going to all of these specialist appointments. And they kept saying, you have type 1 diabetes. You just have to get it under control. 
and he just could not get this under control. And then fast forward one night, I turned to him and said, are you feeling okay tonight? I'm going to quick run to my dad's house and pick something up. And he said, yeah, I'm feeling okay. And as I pulled into my dad's driveway, I got a call from Jason, just call 911 and the phone went dead. And I called 911, rushed home to find that my husband had seized until he passed out. Um, Mm. And that began our three-year journey with brain cancer. Um, He was immediately rushed to the local hospital where they removed a baseball-sized brain tumor. Uh, That biopsy came back stage two. So we were given the option just to watch and wait, which is what we chose. Um, And they said sometimes these tumors don't come back for 20 years. And that's what we were believing. Uh, We had our three young children and we just thought um, God had put us through enough at this point with Jason and Luke. And, you know, our faith was just believing that he was going to be completely healed. And um, in the midst of Jason's newfound lease on life, we found ourselves unexpectedly pregnant again. (laughs) And um, a few months into that pregnancy, he began experiencing symptoms again, and we discovered that the cancer was growing. And he fought that um, for about 14 months. That biopsy actually came back as stage four, so he had to begin chemotherapy and radiation. And he also had another surgery, and he fought for 14 months and passed away on August 24, 2010, after three years. Um, and at this point, I was a 33-year-old widow. I had a six-year-old, a five-year-old with profound special needs. Mabel was three and a baby who turned one a month after his dad died. So I would often at night, or I actually uh, kept a blog, an online blog during this period where I would update the masses. And I was living in Michigan at this point and a stranger from Pennsylvania reached out to me one night and just said, hey, there's this widower in Oklahoma whose wife died from brain cancer four days after Jason did. He has three young children and he's not doing so well. I think you could be a source of encouragement to him. So (laughs) I found his his blog, left a little message, and that that was it. We (laughs) started emailing like crazy, talking on the phone. We met in Savannah, Georgia a few months after we had initially started corresponding. And it was love at first sight. We were married in 2011. He moved to Michigan. I adopted his kids. He adopted mine. And then we decided to move to rural Tennessee where we had an eighth and final child together, (laughs) Annabelle. And that's our story. That is quite the journey. In a nutshell. (laughs) I have tears in my eyes. First, they're sad tears, and then they're happy tears. Like, all of that in the span of, I don't know, five minutes or whatever that was. I mean, what an incredible, incredible journey that you've been on, Jess. Um, Thank you for telling us your family story. Now, Mabel, as you came into the world, like, you were born into a lot of hardship and a lot of struggle. I want to know from you... um, First of all, tell tell the listeners how old you are. I'm 13 years old. 13, awesome. I also have a 13-year-old daughter. I love 13-year-olds. They're so much fun. (laughs) So in in this story, uh, your mom tells me that you are just like a very joyful person. And I want to know, how is it that you're able to choose joy and not get stuck in the painful things that you've experienced? Well, I mean, I kind of actually choose to just not really look back at the past because I feel like if I 
just keep looking back at what happened and how my dad died, I feel like I would live kind of like a sad, depressing life almost. But if I focus on just my present and kind of my future, then I feel like I would live a little bit of a happier life and just kind of live a joyful life. That makes sense. Living in the present and then looking to to the future. I think that's great advice for all of us. I um I tend to be one of those like, hey, the future is going to be awesome person. But I love that you're telling me that uh, living in the present is a way to joy because I think that that's actually something that God is teaching me and I'm working on now. So yeah, and just living the life that I have right now. Tell me more living, about that. Like having, I guess, more of a bigger family and just choosing just be happy with the life that I got from God and just, I guess, having more siblings than having just my three brothers in the, from the past. And now I have seven other siblings. So I'm just grateful for the life that I have right now. I love that. That's a really good, really good way of looking at things that, you know, you can't change, you can't change what happened, uh, but you can be grateful for where you are. So, and all those wonderful people that you get to love. <laughs> yeah. Cause if that didn't happen in the past, I wouldn't have my dad today and my four other siblings. So that's yeah. so cool. So cool. That's very true. Yep. It's a good yeah. way to look at it. Definitely. All right. You mentioned Lucas, your son and Mabel, your brother. I want to know from yeah. you, Mabel, how does having a brother who has profound needs, how does that impact your life? Well, I mean, I've never really known life without him. So like, I mean, it can be difficult, though, having a special needs brother because they're different and they don't really understand the things that we do and stuff. So maybe things that we would want to do, he wouldn't really want to enjoy or like we have to take care of him and have extra help with him. Then we would need extra help. So like we need to take turns, maybe like feeding him or like taking him outside or doing just stuff with him that'll get him entertained because he's not like us. And I don't know. It's just different. It's, it's just been normal to me having a special need brother because he's always been in my life and I've never really known life without him. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And has he brought good things into your life? I imagine he has. Yes, actually. Like sometimes when I'm just playing with him and I see that big smile on him, it makes me like really happy or whenever he's kind of laughing. Uh -huh. I guess it's really nice to see him smile and laugh. So, because he doesn't smile often. Yeah. So, <laughs> if you get it, it's pretty special. Yeah. Because, like, if you maybe play a game with him or, like, even tickle him a little bit, it's really fun just to see him smile. So, yeah. I bet he loves having you as a sister, <laughs> especially <laughs> if you're working so hard to get that smile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was actually not too long ago, I think it's like two days ago. I was trying to get him to say his numbers and he said them all. And then I, we started like dancing a bit and then I started like tickling him and just seeing all the, that, those smiles was fun. So. That's so sweet. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it can be, it can be challenging, but it can also be a lot of fun. I think it's yeah. interesting how sometimes the hard things in life are both and it's not either or. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So your family's faced a ton of challenges. And I think that the world right now is looking for answers for the hard things that we're facing uh, with this uh, pandemic and the economic impact and all, all of the ways that everyone is fearful. And, you know, there's just problem after problem compounded right now. So obviously 
there are things that we walk through that we cannot change. And you guys have shared your story and how that's been true in your life. So what are some words or ideas that your family clings to when life gets hard? I've just learned to stay in the moment, um, even with this pandemic and being quarantined with eight kids and one with profound special needs. I think I can get a bit panicky if I start thinking in terms of like months or years. Um, But if I just wake up day by day and I'm just, you know, thankful for the sun, we've had a lot of sunshine, (laughs) (laughs) which has been helpful and just move through my day hour by hour. Um, I'm thankful for our health and focus on the things that are going well in life right now. Um, Mm -hmm. That helps to keep me grounded, especially, you know, being so isolated right now. That's really good. I love that idea of grace for the moment. Like I have grace for, for this moment that I'm in and, and I am trusting that you'll get grace for the next moment, but that you don't have to worry about it right now. What about you, Mabel? What are some words or ideas that you've learned in your family that you hang on to when life gets hard? Well, I feel like when life gets hard that you just have to move on kind of with your life and just be grateful for the life you have and have faith in God that good will come out of the bad that's happening and the struggles that are happening in life that something good will come. So I just learned to move on with life and just be grateful for what I have right now. So, and the good things in my life. I love that. It reminds me of a picture that I was um, teaching. I have a small group of parents of teenagers that I teach. I'm not going to get into the whole lesson, but we were talking about how things start in dark places. And sometimes we're put into a difficult, like a dark place where we just have to trust God, but then we can believe that uh, like a seed goes underground first and then it springs forth in life. And so I love that idea of just staying in the moment and believing that good things are coming after, after the hard time. Mm -hmm. So tell us what's in store for just plus the mess and how can our listeners find you? Yeah, I have a few things going on. Um, My main focus for the past couple of years has been on special needs caregivers. Um, As Lucas has aged, we've found it particularly difficult with some of his needs and reaching out to other caregivers. We've heard the same story, a lot of um, depression and stress and anxiety and even PTSD as some of these kids age and go through puberty. So a few years ago, we started a nonprofit called the Lucas Project, which um, services special needs caregivers with recognition, resources, and respite. And our goal is to bring awareness um, to caregivers and then provide resources through spa baskets, uh, which we hand out to special needs moms, and then respite opportunities, uh, which we provide in the way of grant money to communities who want to start their own respite chapter. Um, And that's just my total passion right now is focusing on um, building up the Lucas Project and reaching as many caregivers as we can and just getting the word out. Um, And then in in alignment with that, I'm also considering, I'm not quite there yet, and I may need to pick your brain, Um, (laughs) I'm considering a podcast um, to sort of align with the Lucas Project, but I'm not totally to the commitment. I mean, the podcast could be called the Lucas Project. It could. I'm not totally there yet (laughs) with eight kids in quarantine, so. um, That's awesome. I, I would love to talk to you about podcasting. Oh, awesome. So yeah, yeah, we'll touch uh, with that for sure. And then I have a second book that my agent is currently shopping for a publisher for. So 
Um, that's what I've got. I mean, just a few little side projects. I think that is such a wonderful, um, wonderful thing for you to be investing in. I care a great deal about mental health. And so I love that you found a space in your community where you can really make a contribution for that. So, uh, guys check out Jess plus a mess, uh, check out the Lucas project, find out how you can get involved and, uh, how can our listeners find you online? Where should they go? Um, I'm at JessPlusTheMess.com and also Facebook, JessPlusTheMess. I hang out there a lot and Instagram. And then the Lucas Project is thelucasproject.org. And we are also on Facebook, the Lucas Project and Instagram as well. Super cool. Yeah. All right. So my last question on every episode is, and your answer can be fun or it can be serious. It doesn't matter to me, but because the show is Lively Conversations, what's something that's filling you with life right now? What brings what brings me joy right now is my friends and family a bit and uh, just they make me happy and like my friends if I'm kind of feeling down or something in life or something like they just make me happy and yeah. All right. So my last question on every episode is and your answer can be fun or it can be serious. It doesn't matter to me. But because the show is Lively Conversations, what's something that's filling you with life right now? What brings me joy right now is my friends and family, but just they make me happy. And like my friends, if I'm kind of feeling down or something in life or something like they just make me happy. And also the sun brings me joy. I don't know, just looking outside when it's hot and sunny. I think, I don't know. I just really think it's a really fun thing to do. Yes. (laughs) I can agree with that. (laughs) My mom and my dad. Both That's my parents, they, they help me through the tough times too. So oh, I love that answer. How are you connecting with your friends right now? Well, calling them and sometimes doing Zoom meetings with them too. Cool. So what about you, Jess? What's filling you with life right now? Um, my answer is going to be a little more materialistic. Um, <laughs> That's perfectly all right around here. <laughs> Searching high and low for a vintage uh, travel trailer. And I found one last week and my husband went and picked it up last night. Oh my goodness. That's so so excited to renovate it into my little backyard she shed. Um, So I just, I'm so geeked to get that going. That is so exciting. I love that. You'll have to um, post pictures. I'm sure you will, because uh, if I had something like that, I would be posting pictures all the time. Yeah. I just posted one today on my Instagram account. I'm going to go check that out. Hey, Livelies. What a story, right? I am just so encouraged by their reminder to stay in the moment and stay grounded. How much do we all need that in these days where we just don't know what's ahead? And we are, who knows, experiencing... um, medical issues, job loss, all kinds of, um, you know, losses of life. There's just a lot of things that we're going through right now. And so this reminder to stay grounded and to stay in the moment and to trust Jesus through it all, I think is a wonderful, wonderful reminder to every single one of us. So as we get ready to turn over the lively conversation to you and your family, we want you to consider these verses as you talk. Paul wrote a letter to the church in Philippi, and at the end of the letter, he kind of turns it to a thank you note of sorts for the money that they gave to support his ministry. He's really grateful for their generosity, and he acknowledges that he's learned the secret of being content whether things are good or whether things are difficult. So catch what he says. 
I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. With that in mind, here's this week's big question for you to discuss together. What could you be doing to fuel hope in you in difficult times? Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week at the table. Just keep living. Adios. 